Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. You know, as far as hearing goes, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse uh, 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And we know that the Word of God, Jesus, He's the one who created us. He gave us two ears to hear. Certainly, the Word of God gave us ears to hear. But also, I think the implication is also this, that faith comes by hearing, and real faith can only come by hearing certain things. If you've got ears, God wants to speak to you. And that faith is only through His Word. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Today on Truth in Christ, Pastor Rob continues our study in James chapter 1, verse 19, by reminding us that we have been given two ears and one mouth for a reason. It is apparent that God wants us to do more hearing than speaking. The Bible says our faith is built on hearing the Word of God, and His Word tells us this in several areas where He says to us, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. As Christians, we know that God speaks, and we should always be listening. Here's Pastor Rob with today's lesson. We can open our Bibles to James chapter 1, and we're going to finish chapter 1 today. It's taken us four weeks to get through chapter 1, but there's a lot in here. And so, we don't need to be ashamed of that. Let's read through up until verse 19, just to kind of get a, an idea of the context. It says, James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces... That's right, patience, it does. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete. In other words, mature. Lacking nothing, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For not, let not that man think that he, suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Verse 9, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. But blessed is the man who endures temptation or trials. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. 
Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us through, brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. And then verse 19 to the end is what we're going to look at today. It says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, For the wrath of God does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. Or was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in all in what he does. Verse 26 If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So we're going to look at verse 19. It says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. Everybody, take your hands and stick them on your ears. Do it right now. I want to see it. All right, now do that, and then put your mouth, your finger on your mouth. You've got two ears and one mouth, right? God does everything for a reason. Think about what it would be like if we had one ear and two mouths. Things would be in a real mess, wouldn't they? But he gives us two ears and one mouth. And obviously, I think the implication is we ought to do twice as much hearing, at least twice as much, than than how much we speak. If you're like me, I can get myself into trouble. And when I was younger, even as a Christian... I was always talking. You can ask my wife. When she first met me in a Bible study, one of the first things that she thought of me, and is it okay if I share this? (laughs) I'm learning really quick to be careful about what I share. But she, this is before we were even a, a thing. We weren't even an item or anything like that. But she, I just, you know, in this Bible study, I just continued to talk. I was so excited about the Lord. And she commented later, she goes, I had no idea somebody could talk so much. He just, he wouldn't shut up. He just kept talking. That's why I'm up here. Because <laughs> I got three mouths and one ear. No. No, but we've got two ears and we've got one mouth. And God is saying something to, the, to us in that. You know, as far as hearing goes, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse uh, 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And we know that the word of God, Jesus, he's the one who created us. He gave us two ears to hear. Certainly, the word of God gave us ears to hear. But also, I think the implication is also this, that faith comes by hearing, and real faith can only come by hearing certain things. If you've got ears, God wants to speak to you. 
And that faith is only through his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it is by faith that we come to, um, to faith in Jesus, by, by reading the word of God. Amen? And how often did Jesus say in the scriptures, he that hath ears, let him hear. So there's a lot that we need to do as far as hearing. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, uh, verses 2 and 3 and in verse 6, it says this. It says, Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before the Lord. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes through much activity, and a fool's voice is known by his many words. And then in verse 6 it says, Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words there is also vanity. Here's the exhortation, but fear God. See, if I fear God, I'm going to be careful about the things I say, because every word God knows, every word that comes out of my heart, Psalm 139 is one of my favorite psalms, and, and, and it just, you know, Lord, the words that I'm going to speak, before I even speak them, Lord, you know them already. He knows them. And how often have you gone through a day and realized, you know, I've really said some really nasty, horrible things today. And to know that God loves you, even with that knowledge, to me that's a great encouragement that he always loves. But when we speak, we must be very careful. You remember when Peter was up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, or Peter was there as the Lord was transfigured before them on that mountain. And while, they were, while Jesus was transfigured, there was also Moses and Elijah, who had already passed on, that were in glory. And they were there, speaking with Jesus. And you remember Peter. And I love Peter, because I'm, like I'm like Peter. I think as I'm growing, I'm becoming less like Peter, hopefully. But Peter is such an encouragement to us because he's always talking. He just can't stop. He's always putting his foot in his mouth. He's got hoof and mouth disease always, right? But he said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Let us build three tabernacles, three houses, for one for Jesus, one for Elijah, one for Moses. And the Lord broke through the cloud and he said, this is my beloved son, hear him. And so... Then all that went away. <laughs> and it's like you wonder what would have happened if Peter would have just kept his mouth quiet. But Peter, just like us sometimes, we can get ourselves into trouble by the things that we say. So we ought to be careful in the things that we say. Because we have two ears and one mouth. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and certainly slow to wrath. It says in Proverbs 14, verse 29, it says, He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. But he that is hasty of spirit exalts folly. You know, the wisest people on the earth are those who wait to speak. And my wife is one of those wise people, and I can say that without fear of uh, um, her looking at me with glaring eyes. But she is very different than I am, because I will tend, tend to speak before I think. And she's always one, and I admire this about her, and I'm learning, is that she thinks before she speaks. Sometimes it might be, an event will occur, and she will wait, and she'll think about it. She'll muse on it for a day or so. And then she says, you know, I should have said this, because she's processed it in her heart. And better that than to be like me and just share whatever's on your heart or on your mouth. It's sort of like Tourette's syndrome. It just comes out, and you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Hasn't it happened to anybody? Raise your hand if that's happened. Oh, good. All the men raise their hand. 
No, so we need to be slow. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. Slow to wrath. Have you ever been angry? This is something that men, maybe you have the problem with it more than ladies, but our wrath, our anger, we've got to get a hold on it. That's something that the Lord wants to touch in your life and, and take from you and replace it with his gentleness, with his peace. Because even as a Christian, you may be born again, but there may be a, a root of anger still in your heart that God has yet to remove from you. And for some reason, you're still holding on to that root of anger. And today's the day you have to leave it at his feet. Lay it at his feet. Verse 20 says this, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The word produced there in the verse, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What it means is to bring about or, or accomplish. In other words, the ends don't justify the means. When you've got um, uh, something, uh, your emotion, your anger, whatever it is, it is not going to produce the righteousness of God. God's ways are peaceable. They're easily entreated. You never see Jesus raise his voice except for when he was cleansing the temple. And that was a righteous anger because it had nothing to do with him per se. It was about the glory of his Father. And that is the big difference. When I get angry, it's because you've offended me and I'm going to reach out in wrath to you. But God says, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Someone had said uh, that they saw a poster one time. It says, temper is such a valuable thing. It is a shame to lose it, right? Temper is such a valuable thing, it is a shame to lose it. Because in our temper, we can lash out, and then we find ourselves feeling very uh, embarrassed by our actions. And isn't it true that you don't always know these things until they, they, they have a way of getting out? And God has a way of provoking you or allowing you to be exercised. Isn't that what that trial is all about? When you go through a trial, it, it, it brings something, it causes you to respond to something. And that response is direct correlation of your relationship with Christ and, and how much you've allowed him to take control of your life. Think about that the next time. You know, and, and, and we're all the same. And if you have a, a, a problem with anger, God is not angry with you. He loves you. He loves you so much, he wants to tell you the truth about it so that you can freely give it to him. There are some of you in this room that have hot tempers, men and women. Isn't it time to say, Lord, I want this crucified. I want this thing to be put to death finally once and for all. You know, in Numbers chapter 20, verse 7, there's a wonderful example of this. The children of Israel had already, uh, God had brought them through the wilderness. And if you remember, in Exodus chapter 17, it talks about an event where the, they were out in the desert. They had just been delivered out of Egypt and they were complaining about water. They didn't have enough water. And so God at Horeb told Moses to take his staff and to smite the rock and water would come forth. Smite the rock once. How many times was Jesus crucified for us? He was crucified once and for all, right? So God says, go ahead, Moses, smite the rock and water will come forth. And surely it did. And water came forth out of that rock and it, and it gave them water for quite a while, quite a long time. But later on, in Numbers 20, after that generation had passed from the scene, 
The same thing comes upon them. It says in verse 7, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod. Now this is a different occurrence, okay? This is after those uh, initial folks that had come out of Egypt. They had all perished in the wilderness. Now this new generation is on, on the cusp of going into the promised land, into Canaan, to take it for their possession. And, and it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, verse 7, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, and gather the congregation and speak to the rock. Notice, speak to the rock. Don't hit it again. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring forth water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded them. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring forth you water out of this rock? And then Moses lifted his hand, and he struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and the animals drank. And then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and says, Because you did not believe me, to hallow me, to reverence me in their eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he was hallowed among them. Isn't that interesting? Moses' anger just getting the best of him. And God was using these events in his life to reveal it to him. And you know, there's a point when your anger is going to cost you something. It costs Moses the ability to go into the promised land. But there are always consequences for our actions with our mouth, with our anger. What's going on inside? Because when, that's, when you lash out, it's out there. You can't take it back. Even if you say you're sorry a hundred times, that act can hurt someone so deeply and so badly. And it brings a reproach upon the name of Christ, doesn't it? I mean, ultimately, Jesus is who he is. He can't be touched by any of these things. But people around us, who is this Christian? What is it like being a Christian? Is this what it's like being a Christian? There's nothing worse than being rebuked by an unbeliever. Have you ever been rebuked or corrected by somebody who doesn't even know Jesus? They come up to you and they say, you know, I heard you say this and I didn't think Christians said that. And then you're like, yeah, you're right, they don't. (laughs) It's because I'm not a Christian. No. So these things happen, don't they? And certainly that happened to Moses. God allowed it and he was bringing it out at him. Why? For the purpose of punishing him? No, for the purpose of grace. God wanted to reveal it to Moses And you know what? Moses was allowed to go up on the mountain and see the promised land, but he was not able to go in it. And God says, you know what? I love you, Moses. And guess who was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus? Moses and Elijah. So when you fail miserably, don't think that your salvation is going to be taken out from underneath you. You're going to be in glory. But this process of sanctification goes on, and God wants to do that work in you. So let's look at verse 21. He says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. I love what the King James says. It says, uh, the uh, filthiness and the superfluity of naughtiness. I have to say that with an English accent. I'm going to say it again. It sounds so much fun. Superfluity of naughtiness. It just, then the new King James just softens it so much. The overflow of wickedness doesn't sound as good. Well, it isn't. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Notice the order there. You need to be aware of your filthiness and wickedness before you can be saved. Did you know that? Because if I don't think that I've got anything wrong with me, I'm not going to seek a savior. If if I'm not sick, I'm not going to seek a physician. 
And so the, it's very obvious to me the order in which this verse is laid out for us. Lay aside all the filthiness and the overflow of wickedness, and then receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But let me say this. Do not think that you need to clean up your act before you come to the Lord. If you think that you can clean up your act and you can make yourself right and then you can come to the Lord based on your own merit, you totally misunderstand what the cross was all about. You cannot do that. Come to the Lord just as you are with all of your mess. You don't need to do some kind of prerequisite work. God will do that once he does the new birth in you. Then your life really begins and then you start in your walk with him and he'll take care of those things little by little, day by day. He's going to take care of that stuff. He's conforming you to the image of Christ. It takes time. I'm impatient with myself. Are you impatient with yourself? I want it now. (laughs) I want him to just burn a hole in my soul and just a white light, just consume all the darkness. One day you're going to be in that that, that state when the rapture comes and your body is tight taken and you are changed incorruptible. Your body is changed as you are lifted up off of the earth. This corruption will put on incorruption. Look forward to that day because it's coming. I'm looking forward to that day, aren't you? Oh, yeah. So you don't need to clean up your act. But in this, when he says receive the implanted word, it kind of speaks of seed, doesn't it? Like a sower, a farmer who's sowing seed. You know, is your heart filled with anger and all kinds of unclean things, worldly things? We'll start over here. We'll just ask that question. We'll just go around the room. That'd be an interesting service, wouldn't it? You know, there are a lot of people who are good-natured but are not born again, and thus they're not a child of God, and thus they will not see heaven. Being a good person doesn't make you a Christian. There are a lot of really good people in hell because they have not given their heart to Christ, and they are not children of God. That's what the Bible says. It says if you are not, if you are not one of his, if you are not a Christian, you are none of his. You are none of his. So one day he will, you will stand before him and say, I, I, I never knew you. You did a lot of really great things. You know, is your righteousness what is going to give you admittance into heaven? We know that that's not true. Are you better than some? Is it good enough to be better than some? You have to be perfect, as God in heaven is perfect. And that righteousness can only be given as a gift by Christ. You are imputed with that righteousness. It's given to you once you give your heart to Christ. You cannot earn it. It is something that you receive by faith through grace in Christ. Remember the parable of the sower and the seed. You know, where is your heart today? You know, are you the type of person who has a hard heart? The seed hits, but it just won't go through. Are you the person who has a shallow heart? You, you believe for a moment, and then something comes along, and you're off doing your old thing again. Do you have the crowded heart, where the cares and the concerns of life have overcrowded you, and you don't have time for Jesus? Or do you have the fruitful heart, which most of you, hopefully all of you, have? You know, it never ceases to amaze me how the mystery of that. Because I've known people who have confessed Christ, They've gone through the prayer, they've gone through the thing, and, and for all visible purposes, you'd say, yeah, they're born again. But something happens, and they're off doing their own thing again, and they never really were saved because they go back into their old ways, and there's no going back at that point. They just they go away. But I'm so glad that when I gave my heart to Christ, whatever it was, and I, I can't even take credit for what he prepared in my heart, but he gave me that seed in my heart, and I was wonderfully saved, and I never looked back, and it was just like a consuming fire. You know, if there's any doubt in your mind today, 
about where the seed is falling on your heart, pray to God that he will give you this kind of fruitful heart. That the, root, the word of God would take root in your heart. It would germinate and plant and get seed. You know, the, the roots will go down. We're planting seed in our front yard and our grass. And it was great because I went out there and I was throwing seed down right on the edge of our uh, driveway. And it took a while. We had to water that thing, and I had to rake in. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of James. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcasts. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, This has been Truth in Christ.